It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The Bengals' run game took off against the Carolina Panthers, and the defense, while shorthanded, pitched a shutout while the game was close. Let's talk with Mike about how they did it. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. Today, we're joined by Mike Santagata at Bengals underscore Sands on Twitter. You can find him over at All Bengals as well. We talk with him about film stuff here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, covering your team every day, free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. And guys, a lot of good stuff to talk about this week on tape. We didn't get a chance last week to talk about the Cleveland game because of the short week, and that's okay. Not not a whole lot to take away from that game from a film perspective. I'll anyway. break it down. Sands, I'm going to be you for week nine. It was really, really, or week eight. Really, 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 really bad. Every every phase. All right, let's talk about the good stuff here from week nine. And we will. We're going to start with the running game, Mike, as it was a smashing success. There are a few aspects of the running game we can talk about here. We can talk about how Joe Mixon played better. We can talk about how the offensive line played better. We can talk about how the scheme, which we have talked about, continues to evolve to be more of a gap scheme where they started the year as this under center wide zone team. And let's start with Joe Mixon because to me, the very first play of the game kind of sets a tone for what it was going to be for Joe Mixon. Not the first play of the game, the first running play of the game, second play of the game. It's the second down and there's an unblocked man in the hole head up on Joe Mixon. Mixon makes a miss, gets a few yards uh, after, after contact there. And that's something that early in the year maybe wouldn't happen as consistently. And, kind of set the tone that, okay, maybe Joe Mixon's going to make some guys miss today, and then he made five guys miss today, according to PFF, maybe more depending on your criteria for broken tackles. What did you see from Joe Mixon that was different on tape? Oh, just everything felt different. He had more burst. He had, ran with more authority. He was making guys miss uh, in the open field too. And then don't want to not give credit to the offensive line too. It's just that he was getting up into the second level and sometimes into the third level, those safeties and corners um, just at will because these guys were just sealing. They were blocking their guys. This is just something we hadn't seen from them pretty much at all. The schematic change is what it is. It's been growing for a long time now um, since Baltimore, I would say. But I think that this game was less about the X's and O's of, of this because I mean, they, they played zone stuff too and it worked but it was about the jimmies and joes the joe mixon and his five jimmies in front of him along with a few of the wide receivers and tight ends but yeah first play of the game uh first run play of the game split inside zone uh i i don't know why law collins doesn't block the mike linebacker it seems like he should but maybe they had some other type of call on something miscommunication i don't know he just goes right up to the hole what you think of 
every week besides this week is, oh, that sucks. Mixon's going to go for no gain. But he makes a miss, and he picks up four yards. And that's just – that's what's been missing in the run game. Mike, as far as this this offensive line is concerned, how often – two things uh, on Mixon. How often was he even contacted behind the line of scrimmage? Because I think for the majority of his career, that's been such a thing. Even last year, career year, that was a thing. Did he get touched behind the line of scrimmage? Yes, uh, at least once, but it was, it's only like once <laughs> But not twice. many, right? No, it was not many times. He got a full head of steam most of the time he ran the ball, and that includes uh, like some big gains on the screenplay. A screenplay worked for this team for an explosive game. That's just never, that's just not never happens. Never happens for them. So you do almost have to take a grain of salt. Like the Panthers just not show up, but at the same time, the Bengals are executing so well, I'm not sure how much it would have mattered. And, and the Panthers have been good against the run going into the game. Sorry, James, go ahead. No, I just real quick on Mixon, um, because you mentioned the burst and everything, and obviously it's a career high yards from scrimmage. You've been watching the film, at least with us, for a year and a half. Mixon had a career year last year. Is this the best you've seen him in an individual game? Throw stats out of it. Just looking at the players, is this the best you've seen from him? Oh, man, tough. It's... I think I'll go with yes, because I don't think he was always making those guys in the open field miss as often as he did. Like he's played with the burst. He's played with the strength. He's played with the great vision and cuts, these dramatic cuts and seeing things, having the uh, cognition to know what's going to happen. But I don't think I've seen so many missed open field tackles. Like even last year, it still felt like if Mixon was one-on-one with a safety he didn't always make him miss. He would punish him, but he wouldn't make him miss. He'd knock him over, but that would slow him down so somebody else would get him. This time he was making that guy miss and just kept going. There was a lot of emphasis for him last year, I think, in those open field situations of if he knew he was going to get hit, trying to get those few extra yards instead of trying to just make the guy miss and trying to get you know, 20, 30 touchdown extra yards. And a lot of things would agree with you in terms of this being his best game in the last few years. I think his PFF grade, probably his highest PFF grade in the 93 range as a runner in years. And you you look at uh, football outsiders if you're into that stuff. And it was one of their best running games ever. Their best running performance or or all-purpose yards from a running back performance by football outsiders stats since a uh, Joseph Adai game back in 2006. (laughs) So uh, it's been a while since they had recorded LSU, I believe, a performance like that. Yeah, with the Colts, of course, in the NFL. And before that, like there was a LaDainian Tomlinson in 2005. And then there's this big gap until 2022 where Joe Mixon shows up in their top 10 rushing games ever. And and Mike, you said it with the screen thing. Remember, James, what I said when we recorded our postgame show, when I knew this game might be going well well for the Bengals is, hey, man, if if they're – if they're hitting explosive plays on screens and and getting successful toss plays, you might be in trouble as a defense, and and that's what it was for the Panthers. Yeah, how many times have they ran a toss play this year on third and short, fourth and short, and you're like, what the heck are you doing? Just go forward, right? And especially early in the year, so so that was working. And and it, uh, I don't know about you, Mike. How many how many can you count that that worked before week nine? Because I can't really remember many, if any. 
I, if I went to my charting, I could tell you. I think it's more than one, but it is not many. Uh, what, what, what more than one is not a lot. I know. Yeah, what counts as successful? Like four yards? Because it's probably like three or four that have been able to do that. I thought yeah. they added some interesting wrinkles to their toss game, and I know we can talk about that uh, if you guys want, but it, they motioned Stanley Morgan as a lead blocker, jet motion, to put him in front of the toss. Haven't uh, they so done that before? I don't remember not? them doing that this year, at least. Mm, okay. So they jet motioned him, and he ran in lead block. That was from under center. And then they did the same side toss from the gun. I think they have gotten to that once or twice, but they got to it a few times here, and it worked every time. So they saw something on the Panthers film, and what I think it would be would just be those edge guys. They love to get up field. When I saw the crack toss work last year, it was against Max Crosby and that Raiders defense mm-hmm. with uh, – they have um, Rod Marinelli. Rod Marinelli still teaches guys get upfield penetration. And the Panthers, they kind of have a similar idea. So those ends are flying upfield to go after the quarterback. And wide receiver doesn't have to make much of a block to be able to just kind of seal them off. Yeah, Trent Taylor out there as we continue our effort to normalize wide receivers blocking defensive ends on crack toss, a very normal football play. Uh, he, he did a great job on that play, blocking a guy that probably had a foot of height and 100 pounds on him. I'm here for all the 5'9 or under guys, the movement. And Mike Hilton last week, Bengal Sands putting out the clip. I know Mike saw it. Someone sent it to him. I can confirm that. And now we got Trent Taylor just trying to to slay the drag. I just – I'm a fan. So shout out to to Mike Hilton and Trent Taylor for giving us uh, us short guys, you know, something to be proud of. And, and Mike, you mentioned – the, the wrinkles this week and some of the schematic stuff. I know you, I know this has been a, a long changing thing with the Bengals in the running game, but uh, let's talk a little bit about how the scheme has changed. Let's talk a little bit about how some of these individual offensive linemen perform from your observations on tape as we continue our discussion of the run game. We'll get to that coming up next. But first, a word from Simply Safe. Today's show brought to you by Simply Safe, which right now, Locked on Bengals listeners can order the number one rated Simply Safe home security system for 50% off. That's right, 50% off with Simply Safe. And look, this isn't just some sensors that are going to tell you when doors open or windows open. This is 24 7 professional monitoring that is going to keep you and your family safe. The professional monitoring agents that Simply Safe uses, they're backed by Fast Protect technology. What does that mean? Well, it's exclusively from Simply Safe and it captures critical evidence and can verify that the threat is real so you get priority police response. They have cameras indoor, outdoor, and they can find a system and personalize it and customize it for you. So don't delay, don't miss your chance to save big on the number one security system, the security system, the only security system that I recommend and get 50% off your new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on NFL today. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on NFL. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's keep going on this running game, guys. And 
I talked at the top of the show about getting into scheme a little bit. A lot of poolers this week. It seemed like especially they like going after the right side of that Panthers defense. And I know right and left doesn't necessarily mean anything specific a lot of the time, but it did seem like they were really enjoying pulling guards tackles to the right. They ran those jet sweeps to the right. What did you see, Mike, when you were watching the tape in, in terms of uh, proof of schematic evolution from this team? We know they've gone from this zone-heavy team to a more gap-heavy team. They're still using, as you said, some of those zone concepts, especially out of shotgun, I think. But uh, we, we talked in DMs about a couple of pin-pull plays this week that worked well with both guards pulling. Did, did you see something that that has kind of confirmed the, the direction they're going when you looked at what kind of runs they were choosing to use against the Panthers? Yeah, let's uh, talk about my favorite play of the game. GT counter, which uh, if you want to understand the counters, it's GT, it's guard, guard tackle. The Bengals have run counter this year, but it's been GY. Y stands for tight end. So they pull the, the tight end and the guard through. Um, this time they're going to pull the guard and the tackle. They got no tight end to take that guy. So it ends up being like Burrow has to kind of treat it like a RPO or an option to hold that backside end so it doesn't just come crashing down and tackle Mixon. But it works. He holds him. And then on the right side, I think part of it is they think that side was a little bit of a soft edge because that is where the jet sweeps went. I also think they like Low Collins and Alex Kappa double teaming <laughs> to the linebacker because on that play, you get Ted Karras with a back block. He does not a pretty good job against the uh, nose tackle. I believe it was Derek Brown on the play. And then the Kappa-Collins double team took that three technique about six, seven yards downfield. They did, nobody came off the double team and they still blocked the linebacker because they just drove that man into the linebacker. So that's a huge hole. All Volson has to do, sometimes you need that kick out block because your guard is going to kick out. I was terrible at it. Uh, but Volson, he comes and he, he gets his head across, <laughs> does a good job, and uh, he gets a, a little bit of movement. But because that double team got so much movement, he doesn't need to kick that guy out. He needs to seal him. And then Jonah pulls up into the hole. The wrap is what that's called. And he seals the first linebacker. Mixon's untouched, flying downfield. He makes a guy miss. It's the biggest play of the game. And just for me, I think there's such a fun jazz feel to wide zone about like anything can happen here, but there is something very awesome to watch with these GT counters and these power plays when everything gets executed perfectly. And you just see like, I don't know, Moses parts the sea <laughs> and he just goes flying through. That was awesome. It was. And one guy that I know a lot of our listeners mentioned, I'm sure you saw tweets uh, about him and, and noticed him, which coming into the season, I think a lot of people were expecting to notice 71 a lot more. Fair to say, Lel Collins, this was his best run blocking effort of the season. And if so, what stood out? What was different from other weeks? Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, I think the main difference is that's including the first run play of the game where I think he might have messed up. But he had that <laughs> awesome double team. He had another awesome double team. He had uh, some good solo blocks. He got to the second level on an inside zone play and sealed off the linebacker. He and then obviously, I, I don't know if everybody's seen it, but it was stood out on broadcast and even better on film. They ran a crack toss his way and he pulls around. And he, it was prime Lowell Collins yeah, running and unloaded on this defensive back and sent, <laughs> made that defensive back question, why am I still in this game? Because they were down 35 <laughs> nothing, and he gets blasted by Lowell Collins. I got to think, I'd be like, I got I to gotta fake a hammy or something. Get me out of here. 
I think he got two guys on that play too. He did. He got downfield and he got the first guy, and then he got there to a second guy after he ran through the first one. Got to a second guy, almost got. The, uh, I wish he would have got the double, the very rare double pancake, but did not get that. Just got the one, but he did then follow it up by leading further downfield. P. Ron was just <laughs> he was just jogging behind him. He's like, "We're going at your speed, buddy." <laughs> and and now he gets a little rest and can hopefully play close to that for the rest of the way. You know, maybe maybe there's a shot. I mean, if he can do that on a short week, right? You never know. If he can get healthy. And, and play and continue to play at that kind of level going out the rest of the year Ooh. Where, where it's, there's still going to be some issues. It's not going to be perfect, but it's better. That would be a boon because as we saw, when this running game goes the way that it went, it, it, it just makes football so easy when you can run the ball at that dominant of a level, like a top 10 performance. Like I mentioned, according to the way football outsiders measures rushing efficiency and, and those sorts of things for Joe Mixon in this game. And that that's helped of course, by first down runs and touchdown runs and catches and those sorts of things. And he had plenty of those in this game as well. Also thought Jonah Williams, uh, while he maybe left a little bit to be desired on a couple plays in pass pro had a couple of really nice plays as a puller as well as did Cordell Volson on a couple of those plays. What did you see from these, uh, these other linemen on the left side of the ball and, and Alex Kappa as well in, in the run game, Mike? I think Kappa gets a ton of movement. I, I I think sometimes you he's a guy that I wish could sustain those blocks a little bit better. I want to point out a guy you didn't ask about, but I'm going to talk about him anyway. Uh, Ted Karras, he had an awesome play. It was on a crack toss. There's been there were like four of them, and they all were awesome. So this one, there's a head up nose tackle over him. So. Every almost most centers are going to have to give a stiff arm and wait for somebody to overtake that before he can get there because they're going to get hands on him. He slips that block or slips that nose tackle. I mean, Kappa takes over and he gets to the second level. It was like watching Jason Kelsey because that's something he does all the time where he's just so small and fast that he just runs right by him. And Ted Karras said, I was like, I didn't know Ted could do that. But uh, yeah, Volson had an awesome, he had that GT counter play. He, and mm-hmm. so did Jonah. They both had a really good rep there. Jonah had a good crack toss rep where he came around on the touchdown, the same side crack toss from the gun where he led Mixon up through and yep. for the touchdown, he's the only guy that touched somebody at the second level, but it didn't matter. <laughs> um, and then uh, Volson, he sprung the screen. He was the only one to get a really good block on that screen. He cleared his guy out, mm-hmm. and that just let Mixon just run free. Uh, Karras got a piece of his guy just enough so that he couldn't make a play on the backside. Volson clears out the front side, and Mixon is off to the races. So I thought everybody played pretty well in the run game. I, I think, like you mentioned, Jonah and Collins both, as usual, left a little bit to be desired in the past game as they have the past couple weeks. But in the run game, I can't say that any of these guys played poorly they they this was the best that uh, i think this offensive line does can do in the run game is well i mean the best they could do create seven yards per carry and the one of the best run games of all time but yeah this was everybody playing up to their optimal level including tight ends and wide receivers they were all blocking really well hayden hurst mm-hmm. on those cut blocks those uh in those sift blocks to get to the back side cut those guys off he's really good at that and they utilize that a lot in this game. I thought it was a great mixture of everything, and this is probably the most fun we'll have watching uh, the Bengals' run game, but you know, hopefully they can top it. <laughs> Who knows? Well, to quote Joe Burrow, if they run the ball like that, there's not a team in the NFL that can beat them. So maybe they uh, they set the standard pretty high 
We'll see if they can maintain it in week 11. Wow. Pittsburgh, by the way, that game was flexed. Quick news of note, uh, 425, mm-hmm. not not 820, which is really good for people like Jake Lisko and myself because we get to record a little earlier and I get out of Heinz Field, whatever it's called, earlier. So that quick note. We'll switch gears. We'll talk about the defense next. But today's show brought to you by Blue Nile. Blue Nile can help you make your celebrations even more memorable as the original online jeweler in If you're out of the Cincinnati area, Blue Nile offers the largest selection of independently graded diamonds and pieces priced significantly below traditional retailers. Blue Nile has helped millions of couples create their perfect ring. If you're looking for a piece of fine jewelry to commemorate a special milestone, well, they have agents that can chat with you via phone or online 24-7. So make sure you make your moment sparkle with Blue Nile by going to BlueNile.com and use code LOCKEDON to save $50 on your purchase of $500 or more. That's B-L-U-E-N-I-L-E.com. Code locked on to save $50 on any purchase of $500 or more. Again, BlueNile.com. Promo code locked on. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I do want to get to the defense here, guys, to wrap up the show. I also want to get my shout-outs earlier in the show for a couple guys we're not going to go in-depth on, or at least one guy we're not going to go in a ton of depth on today, and that's Hayden Hurst, who on rewatch really stood out for a couple of incredible contested or difficult catches that, that kept drives going. The very first drive of the game, you guys go back and watch that first drive of the game, and they get you know they get a quick hitch to T. Higgins to get it, to get him to like second and five or second and six. Joe Mixon makes a guy miss in the hole to get yards on second down, but they still had a third down. And Hayden Hurst made an incredibly difficult contested catch to convert that first third down of the game and get them going on that drive, get them down to a point where they could score and, and prevented them from going three and out. So. Not just that, but a couple of very difficult, high degree of difficulty catches for Hayden Hurst in this game. And we talked about him as a blocker as well. Uh, Mike did. And so just a shout out to Hayden Hurst in the receiving game as well. Uh, not necessarily terribly productive, just five catches for 35 yards, but one of his better receiving games for the the quality of some of those catches, I would say. And uh, on that note, guys, let's get to the defense. We've talked about Eli Apple a little bit on Twitter, uh, on on Tuesday, we're recording this on Tuesday, of course. And Mike and I, we were talking this week about Eli Apple as a cloud corner. And Mike, I'll let you talk about this a little bit because this is now outside corner number one for this team. Is that an indication that maybe there's more cover two coming for the Bengals? Or uh, maybe that's just a strength of Eli Apple's that we can talk about. I think that uh, cover two and playing the cloud corner is what Eli Apple does best. It's how he almost had the pick six to end the game against Patrick Mahomes, the AFC championship game, dropped it. Still wish if I could, you know, if we got the monkey paw, we could change one thing. It's like, <laughs> can we get Eli Apple to make, to end that game with the pick six? I want to see the reaction on Twitter. That instead of like Quentin Spain blocking a little bit differently in the Super Bowl, Mike? No, you get three wishes with the monkey paw, right? Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> 
<laughs> that would be one of them. Would be I want to see the reaction to Twitter to Eli Apple getting a pick six there to end the game instead of uh, the Jesse Bates play. So uh, what he does really well is he plays really well with his eyes on the quarterback, vision on the quarterback. And um, what he's done a few times is you reroute number one, which uh, Jam forced him to the inside. A, a coach had a great saying that about cover two, playing that clogged corner. You either jam the uh, crap out of that guy and get him to go really far inside, which he did uh, yes, or, yeah, yesterday, which he did Sunday. He did that. He forced the guy to go like three extra yards inside. And if they try to release outside, they go on. They better be on the sideline. So nobody went outside on him. He forces the inside and he pushes him about three yards. And then he just keeps gaining depth. There's there's bait underneath, but he's not taking the bait, even if that's on paper what he should be doing. He should cover the flat route. He just keeps sinking and sinking. And then the quarterback, he tries to make the throws, but he sees Apple keeps sinking. So he's going to try to oh, put a little bit long. And that's where Jesse Bates comes in to come over the top and make the interception. But he's done this a few times. And Derek Carr tried to test him on the sink just to try to get it to him, and he picked it off. Patrick Mahomes tried to test the sink, not just the uh, break that he had, but he had one where he sank. This was not in the AFC Championship game, and Eli Apple almost picks it off. So I think this is where he excels. And I know that Mike Zimmer said you could find cover two corners at a 7-11, but Eli Apple plays it extraordinarily well. Like, yeah, you can find guys that could sit there at, at a 7-11, but you can't find guys that play it as well as Eli Apple there. So that is what he does best. I think he just – vision and coming downhill but also being able to sink and take away that throw i think he wants the quarterbacks to throw it too so i think he gets excited every time he starts sick he sees the quarterback winding up he's like oh i knew <laughs> i knew you'd test me mike what, what did this defense do to what i thought was going to be ending any hope of pj walker starting in the nfl again he's set to start again on thursday but i i literally i left that game i was thinking he's never going to start again it's over and they were shorthanded, and I was shocked at their performance. So you mentioned Eli Apple, and I thought he played well. But what else stood out? How were they able to do this where it was 35 nothing at one point, and they only gave up one first down in the first half, and it was due to a penalty? What, what was the magic elixir? What was it? Was it the Carolina Panthers are just awful on offense after scoring 30-plus the week prior? Or did the Bengals' defense step up despite being shorthanded? Yeah, Bengals even stepped up. It certainly is a good sign when you have more interception return yards than the opposing team has passing yardage. Insane. Insane. <laughs> so uh, that's always you have, you have more interceptions than they have first downs. I mean, yeah. Almost I didn't as even many know catches. that was a stat the the interception yards versus receiving yards. I didn't even know that. That's incredible. At, at halftime, it was 9 to 19 <laughs> because Jesse Bates had such a great return. <sighs> yeah. All right. So what was the magic elixir? What did they do? Well, I think Jesse Bates played an awesome game. I think they used him in a different variety of ways. There's a play, the play where um, Kim Taylor Britt gets called for illegal contact when he's playing quarters and he's just a little too physical. He's actually beat on that. But Jesse Bates is playing his safety part really well because he doesn't have a threat coming to him. So he just keeps sinking and getting deeper. And he sees, oh, my, my corner here, he just got beat. I'm going to give him help. So he gets over the top, and it's almost an interception, but uh, penalty would have negated that anyway. But he did a great job to get over top of that because Apple, because Apple, <laughs> Kim Taylor Britt is beat as well as he has the penalty. He was responsible for that guy. It wasn't a true bracket. Um, and then he had the interception where he got a lot of width. He got to get that overthrow. 
He also had a rep where he was playing underneath and PJ Walker looks to his first read and he just goes sprinting over and takes that away. Yeah. And then he tries to go look to the other side of the field and the pressure is there and it all just breaks down from that point. So I thought Jesse Bates did a lot of good work. I thought the defensive line, BJ Hill might've had his best game in my opinion. I thought in the run game, he was really good. He held up on double teams. He was beating Austin Corbett in wide zone. That's, that's an Austin Corbett specialty, what he was doing with the Rams all the time, but he got to the front side of him and was able to make a stop there. I thought he did a good job. I don't think the, I think Trey Hendrickson was good, but I don't think the pass rush was anything crazy. What they did was they flooded all this coverage and played bodies back there and played that really tight and well so that P.J. Walker had to either try to make tight window throws like the Jesse Bates interception or the Jermaine Pratt interception, who what an awesome drop from him there to get to 20 yards of depth um, when he's playing a hook curl and cover two. So they had – all those things going for them. And then the pressure would come. It would just come late. These are all coverage plays for the most part, other than Trey Henderson getting a few on the rookie left tackle. So I thought the coverage was awesome. I thought the pass rush did enough so that it wasn't like Brissett able to stand back there for five seconds. It was more so three seconds and then the pressure is there, but nothing's open downfield because you're playing such good coverage. That's, I think they did a little bit to confuse him, a little bit of drop eight, a little a creeper here or there, but it was nothing too crazy schematically. It was a lot of zone to what from what I remember. <clears throat> they still play man from once once in a while, but it was a lot of zone to kind of, you know, they got those backup corners in there and then uh make things confusing, play great coverage. Yeah, I think uh it looks like Trey Hendrickson had four snaps in coverage and Joe Mixon, I don't know if you guys saw this this Instagram. Joe Mixon gave him a butterfinger bar after the game. Told him if you if you wore gloves, maybe you would have caught that one, or maybe that was the next day. But that was that was yeah. a Joe Mixon. I, th- I think it was Instagram. the next day. Got and uh, when you so, score so, five touchdowns, you can do that. Yeah, he can do whatever he wants this week. He's been making his media rounds. Sam Hubbard had three snaps in coverage as well, so both of those guys combining for for seven coverage snaps. Uh, what, what about uh, Zach Carter? Zach Carter had his highest PFF grade, I believe, of the year. I think it was his first green grade in his NFL career, coming in with a 72 and a half overall after his highest grade prior to that this season. Overall, is like a 44. Did you see anything dramatically different with Zach Carter this week? I think it was just to me that there were no real negative plays. He didn't get blown off the ball. He did a good job of <clears throat> maintaining his leverage, playing good, sound defensive line play. I don't remember anything crazy that he did that could be on me. Just I remember plenty of BJ Hill plays and some Sam Hubbards and some Trey Hendrickson's, but he did a good job of being a key cog in the defense to play his role so that mm-hmm. even though BJ Hill's playing great, if your other guy is getting blown off the ball, that doesn't matter because they could just run right through there. So he did a good job of forcing the play to go back to one of these guys like BJ Hill who dominated his block i wouldn't say he was a dominant force but i would say he looked like a good starter out there mike without cheeto just looking ahead a little because i think by the time our listeners see this and and listen to this that they'll be thinking about pittsburgh at least a little bit if dj reader comes back mike hilton's back you don't have cheeto this defense played really well against carolina but just in general are you expecting them to be at a you know play at a really really high level like they did in the first nine games, uh, essentially in the second half of the season, even though they won't have their top corner? 
Oh man, that's tough. Um, I I definitely think it won't be as high of a level, and that's one missing Cheeto. It's also because the schedule gets tougher with these offenses. Sure. They have to play Buffalo, Kansas City, so they have to play the. Browns. Are they good on offense? Those teams. <laughs> Uh, it depends how bad that UCL is with Allen. I don't know. Maybe Chase Daniel won't be as explosive as some of these teams. But, um, yeah, they, they have to play two of the best offenses in the league. They have to play the you know the Ravens again. They have to play the Bra- a better, on paper, Browns team because that guy comes back. Uh, and uh, so I think they'll regress a little bit in terms there. I still think it's going to be a good defense. I just don't know if they can get to that really great level without – uh, without Cheeto because Cheeto is a guy that you could put on a Stefan Diggs for a few plays, not the entire game, but a few plays here and there and just go, yeah, he's fine. We don't need the bracket or give him cloud coverage or whatever to play over the top. Like Cheeto can hold that down. And he has done that for them this year and last year. So I, they don't have that guy right now, but I still think they're going to be a sound, well-coached defense that, they're going to be a better in the run game. I definitely think that DJ Reader is going to make a huge impact when he comes back. And if he can keep it up as a pass rusher, who knows? Maybe they can get to that great level. Yeah, and, and that is kind of where it would have to come from, right? Is, is can the pass rush find some more success without having the the guy you had in Cheeto in the secondary? Can Cam Taylor Britt step up as he gets more experience, as he gets this bye week under his belt, as he – is more exposed to the NFL game. Can these guys, these young guys that are playing a lot, Zach Carter, Jay Tufele, can they avoid, you know, walls as they get deeper into the season? Although Tufele in particular should be pretty fresh. Zach Carter, he's played a lot, man. That guy's played a lot for his first NFL season, and it's going to be a long season for him. And uh, a couple other shout-outs here. Depth of the linebacker unit. We talked uh, with Lynn Aruma. We'll be having that coming up on Lockdown Bengals the next couple of days here. And we talked about linebacker depth. That really showed out in this game. Uh, Akeem Davis-Gaither, Joe Batchy, and uh, uh, Marcus Bailey all playing in this game and, and I thought all contributing uh, on defense. And so shouting out the entire linebacker unit. I know we talked about Jermaine Pratt, but all those guys I thought played reasonably well, if not very well. against Joe Batchy. You got to put some respect on his name. Didn't I say that? Batchy. Oh. Bocce All right. Correcting my pronunciations will, will always be a thing here on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. But that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Mike, appreciate the uh, the breakdowns of some of what you saw on tape on in the run game and on the defensive side of the ball. Like I said, we've got Luana Rumo joining James and I the next couple of days here on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. And hope you check those out as well as we get into this bye week. Until next time, we appreciate you listening to the Locked On Bengals podcast. Hootay, and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.